It's not always easy to find the positive. You might even need to search for happiness. Sometimes, just a little inspiration can make the difference. Here, it comes from unexpected places. Welcome to the Tangential Inspiration Podcast. Hi, I'm Teresa. And I'm Amy. We are two ordinary moms looking for inspiration wherever we can find it. My little happy find this week was this app called Not Okay App. Um, it's a young woman named Hannah Lucas um, who has a condition called POTS, which she just hmm. faints all the time. And I have never I know, heard of that. Yeah, and she was 15 at the time when she became really kind of terrified of being alone. And fell yeah. In, yeah, fell into a deep depression. Well, really if you sad. don't know when you're going to faint or yeah. where you're going to be or who's going to be there. And, yeah. and then she kind of, it led her to some self-harm. And mm. it was like on a really low day that she kind of came up with this idea of this not okay app where you could press a button and let someone you know you weren't okay. Um, you know, her condition improved and then she started taking coding classes at Georgia Tech. And with the help of her little brother, Charlie, who's 13, and, and they have a cute dog named Trooper. Which Love is, it even more. Yeah. Anything to the dog. And so how it works, the, L, the app allows the user to send a text message to up to five pre-selected contacts. Okay. So it could be mom and dad, yeah. brother, sister, maybe yeah. a friend. Sends the alert to the user. The message will be like, hey, I'm, okay. I'm not okay. Please call me, text me, or come find me. Hmm. You know, and if you're in a really bad space yeah. as a kid, sometimes it's hard to maybe come and tell your parent that. But if, well, I think not even as a kid. As an, I yeah, mean, as a human. As a human, yeah. anybody. Yeah. It'd be nice that you could press that button yeah. wherever you were, and that someone would be notified. Yeah. So I just, you know, I was so inspired by the entrepreneurship and just the thought behind that yeah. app. You know, especially as a yeah. parent with kids that. Have had some anxiety. Yeah. Well, and, who hasn't you know? had anxiety in all of this? And like last summer, I was dealing with my hair totally falling out from who knows what. Probably right. hormones I was taking for breast cancer stuff. But I don't know what. But if I would have had that app, I would have had my brother and sister and mom on there. And just so that they would know that, hey, I need a little attention right, right. now. Which I hate to say, but... My point is that we all have been there. We all, we all get that. So very impressive. We wanted to search out positive stories and learn in the process. And I have a list of people I'm super excited to read about, but the person I'm sharing this week hasn't even made that list or been on the radar, really. It might be a surprise to people since I love fitness like eat sleep yeah. <laughs> fitness that's where amy and i met yeah. so it's like it, it is in my blood but yeah i get this shanti the person i'm going to talk about never was on any of my list to like research i've read countless books on inspiring runners listen to podcasts by amazing triathletes because i love the whole swim bike run thing but i've never been interested in shanti the fitness trainer I've been a gym rat for, we'll just say, a <laughs> long time and leave it at that. And I'm inspired. I'm, I am I admire people, regardless of the format, that try to get people to move. Right, yeah. I love to see that. Jane Fonda with her Lycra, <laughs> which we all, I guess we all know, but Denise Austin 
with her over-the-top enthusiasm. And even Suzanne Summers, who annoys me, but uh-huh. she's still got people using that silly, ridiculous master. So they still were doing something. Right, so yeah. Still great. Obviously, there are going to be different levels of admiration, but top of the list right now is Shanti. And it's after reading his books. With Shanti, I've heard about him for years. And it's kind of funny because people, you know, I've been in the fitness industry for a long time, and people assume that everyone in the fitness industry knows everyone else. Not necessarily personally, but they at least have a general knowledge of them. Right. So, while I'm familiar with the Beachbody family, I definitely, I and I know the name Shanti, but besides knowing just very general information, I didn't know a whole lot about him. With COVID, one bonus of COVID is that I've been reading a ton. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully, hopefully other people have. Yeah. Too. But in reading a ton, I decided to learn a little bit more about Shanti. And for anyone that's not familiar with who he is, he is the creator of Insanity. I've done that workout before in the garage, (laughs) which I don't recommend, the cement. (laughs) Insanity, Focus T25, and just numerous fitness-related to Beachbody workouts. He's definitely a motivational guru, and that's pretty much all I knew when I decided to read his book. But after reading his book, I so adore and admire this guy. T is for Transformation is the book that I read, and to begin with, he's super humble and transparent, and I will say that if you listen to his podcast, which is Trust and Believe, I listen to it on Spotify, but anywhere where you listen to podcasts, he does overuse the word transparent. I overuse the word inspire. Oh, yay. Or, I, I mean, I have, have a words. ton of words that I overuse. But for him, it's transparency or transpire. It's related to that. But most importantly, I love he's humble, he's transparent, and he loves a challenge. All things I want to emulate. All things that I aspire to, to be. And I think all of us can learn from Shanti. And I'm not talking about just his fitness, which I think a lot of people would look at his book. Is this a fitness book or a health book? No, no, it's totally... There there are some health elements to this book, but it's totally... It's a person. It's like improving your being, your whole being, not just your fitness level or your being able to, you know, whatever with fitness things, but... It's, it, he dives into like your, just your spirit and your soul, which is pretty deep. And yeah. I was not, I was not That's expecting. That's surprising. I know I, I was not expecting that at all. But I think we all can learn a lot from Shanti and stuff not related to fitness. This guy's been through more than I can even imagine. And after reading his struggles, I have totally seen this fitness guru in a new light. He talks a lot about having a big windshield and a small rearview mirror so that you're always focused on looking ahead and you know what's happened in the past and you use that, but the big part of what you're looking at, most of what you're focused on is the windshield. And I just, I love that analogy. This guy's humble, but backing up, he 
totally packs in the bodies at fitness conferences. Obviously, this is pre-COVID because now it's all virtual. Partial, but yeah. And he's sold a ton of videos. He's had huge success with all of his fitness endeavors. He's attractive and ripped and known for his, like, core and his six-pack. So he has every reason from the outside to be arrogant, yet he's totally the opposite. And you read this book and and you see that. And I kind of thought maybe part of that was that it's him, you know, he's always got that rear view mirror. He knows where he came from. Right. So he's not super arrogant, but... He had various jobs, including fast food and Chuck E. Cheese. <laughs> we all love Chuck E. Cheese. I have not missed Chuck E. Cheese. Uh, and I will say, I hated Chuck E. Cheese when my boys were growing up, just from the germs. Right. Yeah, totally. And that wasn't even COVID, but just, yeah, yuck. I just, you know, it's like a petri dish. pizza, and then playing games, and then, but anyway... He kind of started his dancing career. He was a dancer. Oh, okay. Which I I didn't really know. At Chuck E. Cheese. And he was one of the Chuck E. Cheese dancers. Like, he would dress up in the costume that he had to share with his co-workers. So he'd get in this, like, I, I hate the word moist, and we all do, but he'd get in, like, this costume that had sweat from other people. And, and he'd just dance his heart out, and he would be proud as can be and happy dancing his for his job because he made people happy. So I thought that I loved that he, he shared that little part of his past because not everyone would be that, as he would say, transparent with just embarrassing right. stuff with the past. But he grew up on the East Coast. New Jersey, I think, is where it was. Don't I'm not sure. But he made his way to L.A. hoping to become a dancer. Oh, wow. Cool. So uh, he'd drive all over town in L.A. And his, he called it Focusina, which was oh. his Ford Focus, teaching fitness classes and auditioning for dance gigs. I, I just picture this car being, from what the book sounds, just hunk of junk. But he was happy to have it, and it got him to where he needed. It was a little embarrassing to be driving, but it still got the job done. He uh, definitely did not wait around to be discovered. He was working hard teaching fitness classes and then auditioning for dance gigs, too. Wow. So he was, like, burning at both ends. Yeah. He put in the work, mainly because he was doing what he loved. Even if he was living um, paycheck to paycheck. When he first got to L.A., he talked about sleeping on an air mattress. And it wasn't even really an air mattress because he'd start the night on on an air mattress. And by the morning, he would be on the floor because it had a small leak. I will note that from here forward, maybe if you have little listeners, they might want to leave the room during this because it is definitely PG-13. But... His humble heart I so admired, and his transparency made me seriously respect him, but I I had no idea that he was a victim of sexual abuse. Oh. And, like, from what you see, you, why would you know that? And it's not a spoiler, because it's on his Wikipedia bio, so... He puts it out there. Yeah, it's definitely out there, but being the mom... A mom of three boys, it was so hard to read, and I'm usually a super wimp, and I turn off TV shows that harm animals or injure children or in any way, shape, or form, so I was very tempted to just close the book when he started sharing details about the abuse, but weirdly, I felt 
that if he was brave enough to share it, I should be strong enough to read it. And that is, like, the first time that's ever happened to me. So. Wow, that's pretty cool that. Yeah. Some. It's it's not usual for me at all. I usually am like, oh, no, don't want to hear it. I I just shut it off and, and, and tune out because I just, I can't handle that. But for whatever reason, I don't know. I just, I kept, I, I felt like if he could do it, I could read it. So I think it's important for a couple of reasons. Firstly, it's so prevalent, uh, sexual abuse out there, and often kept secret. Secondly, victims too often feel shame and guilt as if they're some way responsible for it. So it adds to the secrecy. They feel guilty about it, so they don't talk about it. And I think for this huge fitness star to open up about this part of his life is extremely admirable. His abuse started when he was eight. Oh. Eight years old. And I tried to think of what I was doing when I was eight years old. And I was like, I'm embarrassed. My kids will mock me for this. But I was like watching Little House on the Prairie. Oh, that was my favorite show. I used to play play it. (laughs) I wanted to be Laura and Mary Almanzo. But uh, I was watching Little House on the Prairie, going to swim team, you know, going to practice and doing what I needed to do. And then playing with paper dolls. Oh, I love I was trying to remember those... The ones, you know, that you put on the sheet and you kind of rubbed on. It was, they were, I'm going to. I had I had some that were magnetic, but I also had some color form ones. But Ooh, they were color form, yeah. They were kind of plastic. <laughs> no, but it was super fun because you could change all their clothes. Yeah. And it was just, maybe that goes back to Mark Samuelson, just his, his fun fashion. But I love paper dolls. I did never get into Barbies. But paper rolls were more my thing. I know my mom wouldn't let me have one, so. Wouldn't let you have Barbies? Uh-uh. <laughs> see, my mom encouraged it. Yeah, see, my mom didn't think it was a good representation of women. <laughs> I love that. And she's old, she was older, so yeah. it's kind of interesting. I but. think that's so great. I So I was thinking back to eight, and it's supposed to be a very innocent time. But instead, this young man had to worry about, he called it his step monster. Not his stepfather, but his stepmonster. And he, he later on, he, he was doing a fitness conference, and he his stepmonster had reached out to him. He had, you know, become famous and, and whatever. And so this, the man had reached out to him and wanted to, in his mind, Shanti saw it as maybe clearing his conscience and talking to him about what had happened. And Shanti sent out all the security guards with, pictures of his step monster he was that firm with he didn't it was not his place to forgive him in his mind he was like you know what that's his deal i'm moving on with how i need to move on mirror. yeah yeah exactly i'm looking at the i'm looking through the windshield i cannot face the what you did that's on you you have to deal with that he constantly had to worry about him sneaking into his room in the middle of the night. And later on, he talks about in the book where, you know, he's married and he would pick fights with his husband at like two in the morning. And when he would go through therapy, he revealed that, wow, that was when my step monster would sneak into my room and do things to me. And so it was all just intertwined. He had to like, you know, so much therapy that he had and still goes through to this day and talks about 
in order to move on from the damage that his step monster did. It was sad. He talked about when, his, and like I said, I wanted to not read this. It, yeah, it can... just is so disturbing. But he talked about when his step monster tried to do things to him, he totally closed up and just didn't want to go to the bathroom at all, didn't want to have, you know, just kept it all in. And he, it had serious consequences one day on the football field. He hadn't gone to the bathroom in days. Oh my goodness. Wow. I know. Picture just not feeling good from not having that anyway. And he was out playing pee with football and he had an accident and soiled himself with number two. Like how devastating. I I can't even imagine. (sighs) But on the field he's able to cover it up with mud, but he worried the whole bus ride home, covering himself up with you know, his bag, whatever else he could to try to keep in the smell. So stressful. I, I, just, I know, I, I, I cannot even imagine. When he got home, he hid his underwear in his brother's closet, like in a, a suitcase type of thing, at the bottom of his brother's closet. And he it stayed there undetected for two years. But oh. every time he went into his brother's room, he knew that it was there. And it just constantly was a reminder of just the unthinkable that this child had to go through and and what he had to constantly have in the back of his mind. So if it were me, I would keep this humiliating, painful story in the closet and lock it. But Sean T's used his platform to remind us that we all have things in the closet to deal with. And it, for anyone that's listened to his podcast or interviews that he's done, he talks a lot about getting stuff out of the closet because we can't we can't better ourselves without just being who we are and be authentic and open. I I loved that it was another reminder to always, always be kind to people because you just never know what's going on behind closed doors. Like if this young man could keep this dark, dark secret hidden from his mother, you know it was in there deep. So Shanti easily could have hidden that and chosen another path. I'm just amazed at the vulnerability that he's able to share to me. I'm just just being open about mm-hmm. it because I that that would be like lock shut, move on. I would never, I would never open that up. I would never deal with that. I'm not saying that's a healthy response, but that would just be me. But he he reminds us to just open it up, air it out, because that's the healthy way to deal with it. Like I said, it reminded me that you never know what people are going through. So always be nice. I, I feel like I'm already that way. But this was a very strong reminder of that. He could have acted out with gangs or doing drugs. I would not have blamed him at all but he chose another path I think he was stronger than that and he is there to remind us that we all have things in the closet to deal with we need to pull the stuff out air it out in order to move on it showed his true strength to me and that strength has nothing to do with his six pack or his muscles it has to do with just being a strong individual he opened up also in his book about being so hungry at times and he lived with his mom mom and pop pop which that's a separate story but at times they had enough food to eat but he was hungry they only ate at meal times he'd sneak up at night and hide some wonder bread in his underwear and then sneak back to bed and make little bread balls you know he just would roll them up and because he was just 
hungry. So you just feel for this little guy. So he endured a lot for sure. But when life knocked him down, he still kept getting back up. The raw stories that he shares throughout this book reminded me to always get back up and always move forward. Stop looking back once again, back to his rearview mirror. It's that's smaller for a reason. And to always focus on forward momentum. His honesty was inspiring. To see a guy who appears to have it all open up about the messes and the not fun things in his life was very powerful for me. I was reminded why he's been so successful in the fitness world. He refuses to back down when faced with a challenge. He often quoted his high school track coach throughout the book, channeling him in ways. His coach would always remind them that they had a little left in their reserves. So he wouldn't just accept, you know, just a run around. They, they always had a little bit left. And I think he's um, taken that, crossed it over into his real life as well. Shanti was originally rejected for the Insanity videos. So his Are boss... Are you kidding me? Oh, <laughs> no. that's interesting. His boss was like, we're going to do, you know, this is our plan with yeah. these videos to do high-intensity interval training, which is usually extreme intervals with short recovery in between. And he's he told his boss that he was absolutely interested, but his boss was like, you know, you are a hip-hop app guy because he had been successful with the hip-hop abs CD. And so he, he rejected him for that, but Sean T took that as inspiration and he invited some people to his house and they did a demo. And that's how the Insanity Interval material came about. That challenge is what helped create Insanity. He made that workout video and it instantly convinced his boss that he was the right choice. So the man who once doubted Sean T would that he could even cross over in the fitness training world quickly changed his tune after watching the demo. That's so cool. I mean, that says a lot about him. Yeah, and that he had to dig deep in order to prove that he could do more than just the hip-hop ass videos. But Shanti never shied away from hard work, and that's another thing that I admire about him. When he was trying to make it in L.A., he'd get up early to beat the traffic in L.A. And apparently, if you're on the road by 5 o'clock, you're fine, if you hit the road at 5.05 in the morning, then you're pretty much screwed. Slim window. Yeah, so he got up super early. I want to say it was like 4.45. He'd drive to the gym, take a cat nap in his parking spot, and then teach class when it was time. He stayed humble and always remembered that he started as that Chuck E. Cheese dancer. And this guy learned to pivot in his career and his life even before that was a catchphrase because now, you know, it's bigger. Pivot, pivot, yeah. But he'd injured himself coming off a curb, just walking, and he found himself stuck on the couch. And it was kind of a stressful situation because he relied on his body in order to earn a living. But at the time, he was dancing with, I want to say, Hello Dolly, and they were traveling So when he hurt his ankle, he obviously couldn't travel with them. But around the same time, he was contacted with someone that was working for Mariah Carey, and he was invited to dance in a video with Mariah Carey. And that whole thing is, I mean, it it talks about the story in his book. I'd like to go check that video out. You know what song it was, or did they say? Oh. I don't know. Right. I mean, he talks about the story, and she's yeah. a little bit of a diva, and it. he admires her a ton, and she's got, like, 
the voice of an angel. But she was super late to all of it, had all of them waiting, was only there for a brief time during it. But still, it was a huge opportunity for him, and he is so happy and just grateful that he had it. It's like a career highlight for him. But if he had been traveling with that Hello Dolly, he would have missed the opportunity. He would have had to say no. So I loved that it was painful to work through the pain, but he would have missed it. And he, while he was bummed about not getting to travel with his group, he saw it as a silver lining because that's how he got the gig with Mariah Carey. So super cool. I know that a lot of people will be turned off with reading this book just because they'll assume it's another fitness thing. But it's not that at all. It's meant to transform your life. And while fitness is part of that, it's not all of it. He opens up about being overweight. 50 pounds. He lost 50 pounds in college. So he changed his major, you know, after that. And after he found his passion with dancing and movement. But he was 50 pounds overweight. He had stretch. uh, He still has stretch marks. And he talks about how people will ask him about it. And he's okay with it. Which I think is He's a, pretty such an open book. Yes. Just, as, you're, as you're telling me this, I'm just impressive because yeah. a lot of people would hide that. You have filters and photoshopping for a reason, but he puts them out there. He has uh, insecurities, but he's open about them. He is, tr- you know, he was trying to find genuine love, like anyone, but extra hard being a gay man and learning to accept himself with everything he had. To clean out his closet. Shanti's a lot more than a fitness guru. He's inspiring people to tap into that reserve. Like his coach Anderson had trained him in high school. And to grow just the messes that life hands us. I think we all could use a little of his strength, resilience, and healthy confidence. I do love that he's very confident. He owns who he is. He owns his mistakes. And doesn't make excuses for it. But grows from them. And I think we all could learn from that and learn to do a little better each day in all areas of our life. You were um, talking about doing, reading that book about Shanti. I was watching that podcast, Trust and Believe, and I didn't realize he loved tennis so much. I He uses it, you know, I, he talks about it a bit in his book, but and then I also love that he uses it as working through. Like, you don't stop it just hitting the ball. You push through. You uh, he everything that he seems to do has an analogy it's in life. Purposeful. Yeah, it's, it's like he learns from everything. So I I love that it didn't make me want to play tennis. I gotta say, and we're in the middle of winter and courts are all closed because of COVID. But but I'm but I'm ready. I'm ready. I loved that he admired like when asked with his Beachbody community when they did an interview they asked who he admired the most and his answer was Serena Williams. So I think that's. Strong, powerful, impressive woman. Definitely, we need to look up that that athlete in our sure. future. I think you might like this. He likes crime junkies. <laughs> I saw that. Which I love. Anything true crime. I I do wonder, my thing with true crime, it has to be solved. They have okay. to have yeah. the person in jail or, you know, hopefully in jail. But um, I'm, huh, that's, yeah, that makes me like him more. We have that in common. Podcast, I guess when he's, if he's in a city that has had a crime, he'll kind of try to do a little research. That sounds like a good blog with yeah. like going city to city with 
trying to solve it on your own and figuring out, yeah. I just love, I, I know that I said that he overuses transparent and, but I love that he is just very real. When he was asked the three qualities that have gotten him to where he is today, he responded with authenticity, flexibility, and honesty, just being who he is, which I absolutely loved. He talks a lot about his mom, mom, and pop off, which I think taught him a lot. That would have to be a separate issue. But my takeaway with Sean T, like I said, I was not expecting to love him as much as I did. But he taught me, and I want to work on this for the next month, to look in my windshield. Pay attention to my rearview mirror. But there's a reason the windshield is big and the rearview mirror is small. I need to know where I came from in my past and look look behind me at times to grow because my windshield is big. That's where I'm going. I'm going forward. I'm not looking back. Growing. Yeah. So I I think he's with his transparency and just being who he is, to me, super inspiring for me to be better. Sean T's story reminded me of the importance to be open and air out our closets. Fortunately for most of us. Child abuse isn't part of that process. Unfortunately, it was for Shanti. But there are a lot of kids that are facing that. And I found a group that I totally want to join. BACA. Bikers Against Child Abuse. It was started over 20 years ago. And I'm talking like Harley Davidson bikers. Such such an unusual connection. I know. I'm not talking like cyclists, but like biker bikers. It was started by a man named John Paul Lilly, or he's known in the group as Chief. He felt that the best way to help kids feel confident and heal after child abuse was to to work with them and give them confidence and to help build them up again. So he wanted to ask his friends to help them heal from this. And his friends happened to be a bunch of bikers. Oh. Big burly bikers yeah. at that. So Seeing the pictures of this of these members, it was a very good reminder for me to not judge a book by its cover. The organization takes vetting very seriously, and it usually takes at least a year in order to pass the test to be a committed member and have... So what they'll do is they'll have two members for the child, and so in order to be one of those members that attends that child's needs you have to go through this bedding process and once you're committed it's a 24 7 commitment you like have to be willing to do whatever for you know at any time and every it's a huge commitment huge commitment and every single member commits to protecting the appointed child so with this group i found it, it it's an international we have seven organizations in Oregon alone but it's like in New Zealand it's in Germany it's all over the place which is great there are varying levels of protection they start with a meeting with the gang yeah that's usually about a half an hour each child gets a jacket and these are usually like court appointed these kids need that extra help so social services lets the bikers against child abuse know that they need you So they get a jacket and a badge to wear on the back. 
And they each get the phone numbers of their members that they could call at any time. So they know that they have friends, people that have their back, people that are going to protect them, you know, their protectors. They take pictures with them with this meeting, just as a reminder that they have friends. And most importantly, the child is reminded that they have people supporting, They, you know, someone's on their side. Someone is there to protect them. And usually these people are a little more gruff looking than I, I said I wanted to join and my husband mocked me because <laughs> I'm, you know, what, five foot three. Petite. And probably not super intimidating. But I'm, this is on my bucket list. Yeah. I do want to join this group. But they're always a phone call away, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. The kids are given the jacket, bumper stickers, the cards, the numbers. Then the second level of operation includes these awareness rides. And they're rides around town to show the neighborhood that they have friends who won't hesitate to notify law enforcement if they speak suspect any wrongdoing oh cool so it's it's like own protection yeah just knowing that you know what you mess with these guys and we're going to turn you in they also offer support in the courtroom for victims testifying against their abusers so and this is when the judge allows it so hopefully usually they would but um they attend the trial and show their support so that the kids can feel confident and not intimidated by their abuser these bikers look intimidating and scary. So for the kids to know that these guys and the ladies are in their in their court is a life changer for I'm a lot sure. of them. Yeah. So they attend parole hearings, interviews, or anything that the child might be intimidated with or frightened by. So they are just an older helper. They also uh, the bikers against children's abuse. They have barbecues and parties. Obviously, this was all pre-COVID, so hopefully that'll get back. But the guy that started it, he was, uh, or he is a licensed mental health professional, and they all have to go through classes in order to be part of the program. They have extensive background checks, and they have to ride with the group for at least a year before they are, before they're given a child to support. I love that they stand to empower wounded children. Oh, totally. Because just like Shanti, he could have gone another path. Thank goodness he didn't. I think with this group, it's promoting that to to change their lives around. They've been given a really bad hand. And with these guys in their court, you know, they stand a chance at least. Like I said, there are seven chapters alone in Oregon. It's all over the country. They work with local and state officials. I just love that they send a clear message to the abuser right. that you cannot mess with this kid because they're mine. So they are protectors, not violent, peacefully, just standing their ground. Um, I also love, so they're keepers of the children, but the, the names in the group are just hilarious to me. The president... Name Toad. They call the vice president Juice. <laughs> Treasurer Spider with a Y. The PR guy is Mr. Cupcake. That's so I really fun kid <laughs> kind of kid fun it's names. Totally kid friendly. Yeah. Just non intimidating. Relatable. Yes, non intimidating. Just from what they've been through, it I think it is refreshing. So Lily's a registered recreational therapist and licensed clinical social worker. So he 
was all too familiar with how frequent this happens. Just like you would have no idea that that happened to Sean T. But I, I love that he took terrible stories, terrible situations that he had, and he turned it into this that now is worldwide. It's all over the place with bikers against child abuse. That's and awesome. I want to join. Yeah. Like and subscribe. Follow Transgential Inspiration on Facebook.